Good morning. Welcome to the E-Cubed podcast brought to you from MMSMOA. That's Midwest Management Summit Mall of America. I'm your host, Bill Burnett, and your co-host is Chaz Spawn. Hey, Chaz. Hey, morning. Our esteemed guests this morning are the deployment bunny himself, Michael Nystrom, and from Ireland, Morris Daly. Good morning, guys. Okay, so today our topic is drivers, and what were the other two things? <laughs> drivers and drivers? That's right. Drivers, drivers, and drivers. Correct. Okay, so let's start out with, uh, what, what, what's the deal with drivers? How does Windows even figure out what drivers to use? Can we start by figuring that out? You know, I skipped pleasantries. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm, I'm alive, which is good. So, I, yeah, I'm good. I had a session this morning and went well. So. Nice, nice. What are your interests and hopes and dreams? Oh, uh, <laughs> a prosperous life. I don't know. Uh, I don't really have any of those. Just, you know, having a fun time. As yeah, as okay. Can. Thank you. I think I'm in about the same boat. What about you, Morris? So I didn't mean to get so meta on you this morning. I just figured we'd cut right to the you know extreme pleasantries. I think like from from the IT point of view that that you know manufacturers start doing the same thing, making it consistent, make it easier for us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Consistency. What's that? Exactly. Um. <laughs> That's not an IT term. Consistency. No, it, uh, <laughs> consistency is when you go to McDonald's and have the same hamburger every day. Right. You don't want to have that. And that's <laughs> and that's the experience we want to have with drivers. Okay, maybe not exactly. No. So, <laughs> so you you can tell us what experience we want to have with drivers. Uh, today we're going to talk about how how Windows actually figures out what drivers to use. Then who should you trust? You, 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 Windows will put, let you use drivers that you don't want to use, and you need to think about that. And then tools and solutions for managing drivers in the modern era. So first topic, how does Windows actually figure out which drivers to use? So I mean, it, it's not voodoo for stars. It's not a black art, but there's, there's certain things in Windows, um, basically like identifier score, yeah. feature score. The, the, the entire process is called ranking. So, so it's a process where Windows tries to figure out what driver fits best. I mean, this is a change they did many years back when they shifted into plug and play, meaning that you nowadays you inject the drivers in the driver store. You don't directly inject the drivers like we did in XP. So put them in the driver store and then we say, hey, Windows, please select the ones you think is best. Which means that if we put more drivers than we need to have, then we are going to hand over that decision to Windows. Mm -hmm. And it does that through a ranking process, running through uh, if the driver signed or not, uh, feature score, which is an interesting thing, and, and then the matching plug-and-play ID. So there's a, a couple of things that need to match. One thing it doesn't detect is that Let's say that Maurice has an HP machine and he's also having a Dell machine at the same time and he has a driver package and, well, both Dell and HP in this case are using the same graphic adapter, for instance. Kind of the same, slightly different, but almost. it's the same chip, therefore it has the same plug-and-play ID. Now, it could mean that on the Dell machine you will have an HP driver 
writer, and on the HP machine, you have a dev writer. Now, try to call either of these and have support for that device. Hey, Dell, my HP driver doesn't work on your device. Uh, okay, <laughs> and the conversation is over. So the only way to really make sure that Windows is choosing the right driver is to limit the number of drivers that you inject into the driver store. Okay. So you only put what you think or want Windows to pick and choose from. Okay. So a good example is, uh, I usually have the story about kids. If you have multiple kids, you walk into the kid's room and you ask them what do you would like to have for dinner. And if you have two kids, you're going to get at least three answers. And, and you do that as a parent a few times and then you don't do it anymore because then you shift into dinner is served. And then dinner is served. So by providing only the driver that you would like the operating system to use, Windows will be happy and say, hey, I found a driver. And I'm going to use that. And that has the best match. Yes, because that was the only one you could choose. Okay. So that's, it, it, you can't control the ranking process, but you can, um, you can make sure Windows can only pick the exact driver it's supposed to have, which means that the only way to make this work is to limit the number of drivers that you put in the operating system so it only picks that certain driver you want to have. Okay, great. Chaz, you're saying garbage, garbage in, garbage out? <laughs> Something like that. One of the things I keep hearing from people is, I, I would love to just create this big package of drivers for everyone. And it'll be one step in my task sequence and it'll just, just find the one in there. Hmm? It might be, you know, a terabyte of drivers maybe. Who knows? But it'll work. This is a good idea, right? No, it's a really bad idea. <laughs> well, wait a minute, but Microsoft told us back in 1995, we were never going to have to worry about drivers again. Plug and play was going to fix it all, and we weren't going to have jobs anymore. It's in theory <laughs> crazy. Um, if you look at the default settings for, for all these uh, tools that we're using, the default setting is actually using plug and play. And I've been asking around, why is that setting the default? because it's gonna cause less support calls. Oh, right, sure. <laughs> it, it's, gonna, it's gonna work, it's gonna work most of the time. It will never be perfect, it will never be the, the way you want it, but it's, <clears throat> it's not gonna stop the system. So the other way around would be to teach everyone to do it the right way, but that's gonna to cost too much money and it's gonna to be too complicated. So let's have it at the default setting of plug and play it, it will kind of work. So in a corporate environment or <clears throat> with an organization, you're going to say, okay, we have this many models of computer. It might be 12, it might be 250, and then we might have any number of these peripherals. So you literally are going to inventory all of this and get all of the appropriate drivers for those devices and then put them together for your uh, packages? There's a balance between insanity and being perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's say that we do have two and 10% of them is maybe the ones that we use 80% of our machines. That means we're gonna, we're gonna target them. We're gonna make them work because that's gonna be the majority of machines. Then we're gonna have a bunch of random machines over there, there's an IoT device there, there's a kiosk machine over there, and then you create a package for all these machines and just hope for plug and play to work. Because the cost of, of staging each 
hardware, like 250 models, that's going to be too costly. Right. Okay. That makes perfect sense. And then once you've got that and you're, you're trying to figure out how to put together these drivers, which drivers should you trust? So you can't just grab any driver and put it in for any particular peripheral or system, right? Yeah. It kind of goes back to what Michael was saying earlier on as well. You know, okay, do you just trust the driver from store that you've thrown it all together or do you start trusting the manufacturer who knows their machine, they've certified the drivers for a particular build of Windows or do you trust Microsoft's online store, the update store, where there's drivers and they're compatible and they're going to work. They may not be the latest driver for the machine, but it is that kind of who who a trust mechanism and then that changes a lot when we move from configuration manager to Intune, because mm -hmm. with Intune we will just say, give me all the updates, mm -hmm. and it will just give you all the updates Microsoft has. <clears throat> Whereas with configuration manager, it's tend to be a, a more structured approach, saying, okay, I want to have a WMI query that says, hey, it's a HP ProBook, forty-five, whatever. I I'm only going to install the drivers for that model, so. It's the case of, do I trust the person that makes the machine or do I trust the person that runs the OS on the machine? And Microsoft have done a lot of work to work with vendors to uh, ensure that the, uh, the update store is full of new and compatible drivers, but the manufacturers are always naturally going to be working a little bit faster side. Yeah, and especially when you end up with the, uh, the graphic adapter thing, yeah. one, mm -hmm. they're using the same chip, but one vendor says, well, if we, uh, if we disable the um, light thingy here, can we save some money? Yes. Okay. Ascent. Oh, that's going to be so much money. So we remove that component, or we remove that protocol, or we remove that connection, or that graphic adapter actually supports uh, USB, but not for that model. So then you have the same chipset, the same component, all merged, right. but they have the okay. same plug and play ID. There's no way that Windows can say, oh, this is a graphic adapter in a Dell machine, therefore I need to have the, the specific Dell driver that is on that website. It's going to grab the generic driver. Okay, and my to, some work, extent, to some extent you have to live with that, um, but you can reduce the number of errors pretty greatly by, mm -hmm. by being thoughtful about what drivers you're putting together and being careful about, if you're in Config Manager, you know, selecting those drivers instead of just automatically applying all the other Yeah, I, I, I really believe that Microsoft wants third-party vendors to, to you know, comply and say, hey, we're going to put all the drivers in, in, in Windows Update. Yeah. We're going to do that. Because if we do that, our common or, or our customers will now be able to do that. Yeah, they can grab the drivers, we can do Intune, we can do Windows Autopilot. The problem is always going to be the same. Uh, the vendors aren't really keen on grabbing everything they have and put that at another vendor. Right, right. They, they right. want to work together. Right. We, I mean, like everybody else, you, just, you don't want to remove your identity. So you want to have the, you need to log on to our website, uh, you need to download the drivers from us, stuff like that. So, so that brings us right into our third topic, which is tools and solutions. What is out there to help manage all this? Maurice? Yes, well, I mean, okay. Um, 
We'll talk about the manufacturer stuff first of all because hmm? they're doing a great job. And I mean, I, I was in a session with Dell the other day with their command suite. Yep. Um, you know, it'll go off, detect what you have in your network, a couple of clicks, and it downloads. Hmm. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're forming driver packs. They are. Um, there's some issues around that potentially you know, with database bloat and into big man and so on. But they're doing an excellent job, Lenovo, HP, yep. and, and of course Microsoft has searched. And the thing is that they, they had these tools for a very long time. Um, and every time I go to a customer and I, I ask them, so what tools are you using for, for managing drivers? Well, I go to the web page and I download drivers. Uh, so you haven't seen this tool and then you mm -hmm. show them one of the, it mm -hmm. doesn't matter which tool you show them, you go like, never seen that before. It's about 15 years old. And <laughs> HP has been providing this for the last 15 years. Nobody ever told me that. Did you ask? No. Did you go to the vendor site where it says how to deploy Windows machines? No, because I already know that. Uh, <laughs> apparently you missed that part. So the tools have been around and I mean, they have been uh, kind of okay. They're, they're, yeah. But they are getting, uh, I would say the last two years, yeah, that's been a big improvement. Yes, the last two years they've been better and better. You can run them in a sequence. You can run them standalone. You can, you know, work while it like a repository. I have the following models. I want to download to the repository. I want to export from the repository and put it into Config Manager. So they are starting to understand that IT pros can need those tools, but they are so lousy on promoting them. Yeah, I think that you know that could be an issue for what, at, at the sales point. So when you ring up the likes of Lenovo and you say, hey, I want to order a thousand of this model, someone should actually contact you from their enterprise management and say, hey, we see you're ordering a lot of these models. Yeah. Are you using Config Manager? Have you heard about this solution we have? Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. you know, a lot of them are, th are free in, yeah. in most circumstances. Yeah, most of them are. And simple to install and maintain. Um, and of course, then there's there's other stuff that's going on. So there's you know lots of people in the community for many years have been doing stuff, writing blogs, showing people how you can manage things outside yeah. of the support. So what, what blogs would you point to? You're a blogger. Are there resources at your blog that would help people with driver management? Yeah. So um, I run a blog with a, a couple of other MVPs and some other people. Um, and uh, it's SC give, give us the URL. Yes, scconfigmanager.com. And we have a full solution for uh, maintaining drivers dynamically. Um, it's not rocket science, it's PowerShell. At the end of the day, it's open source. You can download the scripts and take it apart, dissect it, add to it if you want. And basically what it's doing is, is getting feeds from the manufacturers, downloading their content, and using silent switches, Packaging configuration manager, but it's a kind of an automated end-to-end -end solution where it selects the models you have, downloads, packages, distributes, and then you have a task sequence step that does the dynamic matching. So instead of having uh, previously where you had total control and you've got you know fifty different steps for your fifty different models, okay. uh, you have one step that just calls PowerShell script, and that's that's it. Um, and there's others out there. I mean, Gary Block, Mike Cyril are doing a great job as well on, on methods to dynamically detect what's out there and even just download over the internet. 
So that'll get the latest and greatest. <clears throat> oh, so it'll actually figure out what you need and it'll go get it for you and then put it into your deployment. Absolutely. But, but then you're back to the who do you trust? Uh, mm -hmm. If the vendor releases a new driver, um, it's going to work. I don't know. Maybe it is. So if you pick them directly from the vendor, you also need to have some kind of ring system so you can test it on these machines. Pretty much like patch management. Run those new drivers on Monday on those machines and uh -huh. then next week on those machines. Um, just randomly grabbing every driver that is a new thing could be... Uh, yeah, it could be potentially so disaster. In the real world, do people really test drivers? Okay, I, it was a long time since I worked in IT just to explain how long I am a certified SQL 7 developer. So well, it's, it's been a while, but we literally would put drivers on every machine, QA them before they went out to production. I assumed all these years later, people don't do that because who has the time? Yeah, well, there's two approaches here. One is to say that we download the drivers, we stage the machine, we verify that they work, and we don't touch it unless we need to. And you do that for each and every mode you have in your organization. So that is the most common way. The other method, which is popping up when we are talking into an autopilot, is yeah. to say, uh, let it let it fail. Ship a new computer. Break things. We we can't fix everything. So instead of trying to prevent all the issues issues from have happening, <clears throat> we are we are instead building a logistics that says if a machine breaks. Uh, this is the way to fix. We reset the machine. We can do that. Right. Um, okay. If it doesn't work to reset the machine, ship a new machine. It's just a machine. It, it, mm. It's just a piece of hardware. It's like a phone. It's broken. Yeah, here's another one. That um, makes a lot of sense. And autopilot's huge for that, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so the, we have these two approaches. And depending on organization, if you work with a you know big bank or a large bank or you know that kind of organization. They don't really accept the fact that we have break fix on all the ATMs. It's not going to work. They need to have the business running. Mm -hmm. But if you're a business, uh, you're a consultant like Maurice and me, and you're flying around, and, and the only thing I do is PowerPoint presentation, and my laptop breaks, uh, Walmart, uh, here's another machine. Uh, so I can continue working. I, you know, I'm done down here. It's like, right, I, I don't right. need to pre-station. I just log on to, active, to Azure AD and I'm done. So it, it really depends on what kind of organization you have. Um, both Maurice and I work with customers that have a lot of kiosk machines. The kiosk machines are the base foundation of the organization. If they break, they don't have an organization. Nobody can go to the library and borrow a book anymore, or they can't work at a hospital or something like that. Dynamic driver update on the fly will never work on these devices because right, it's, a, right. it's a part of the business. So customers aren't supposed to select based on technology. They need to select based on the organization, right. what is most important. Um, do you want a break fix solution or should we? Yeah, and I mean, that, that's why even for a lot of customers we deal with, for, for autopilot in particular, if they don't want this kind of dynamic, give me what you've got new and just install, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're still going back to the method to say, okay, we'll build a machine with MDT, your config manager, and we'll have that structured approach to say, yes, we have tested that revision of the driver pack and it's stable. So we'll prep the machine, we'll seal it back up for autopilot, and we'll let the user take it off. Yeah. 
And then we use that driver until somebody says something else. And that's not a problem. I mean, even if the driver is stable, you still need to read the, you know, release notes for all the new drivers because eventually you're going to find this uh, zero-day exploit. Uh, uh, this driver might expose the ability to log on as a domain controller with the password of Bob. <laughs> okay, that's a bad one. Maybe we should replace the driver. The driver is right. a software. It needs to be maintained. Um, we patched the operating system, therefore you should patch the drivers and patch firmware. It's just drivers and firmwares, when, when that goes bad, you have a brick to device and nobody can work. So then you need to figure out a way to circumvent that or prevent that from happening, meaning either testing or break fix. Right. Here's your choice. Where I would love to see this going, so I mean, one of the things that uh, Intune does very well, okay, so the, the updates, you, you get all the updates, okay? But you can pause it, you can roll it back, you can uninstall. That functionality, if that was taken and put into the cloud service, into Intune, mm -hmm. where you could say, you, say, you see your list of models, and the, here's the latest build, push. And if you see it start causing problems, pause, yeah. roll back. That would be absolutely ideal. I agree. It's just being able to do something else than say, I'm sorry, your device is unavailable. Uh, we will ship a new one with DHL and it will come in next week. Have a good day. Okay, that makes sense. And I want to go back to something you said a couple minutes ago, which was read the release notes for your drivers. Yeah. I would imagine if some people aren't even going to the website to see what manufacturer tools are recommended, mm. they're not reading release notes. and. Here you have two uh, global experts, and they're saying, hey, folks, read your release notes. Yeah. I, I think everyone's guilty, Ben. I, I did a session earlier on on, on BIOS management. Mm -hmm. And when you read the release notes on what BIOS firmware updates are doing, oh. it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, the TPM might not work after a reboot, so this fix it. Yeah. Um, okay, so now your machine is sitting there, BitLocker's complaining. But again, I think, Everyone in the industry is kind of guilty because they don't have a lot of resources. They don't have time to be sitting there reading the release notes. But unfortunately, if you don't and you push this out, it, it's no more than like if you push a, a feature pack or a Windows update and it breaks everything. It's the same logic. You have to know what you're doing, know what you're pushing. Yeah, the only solution that I have found so far is to say you can't have 256 different Yes. Oh, right, right, right. And it, it goes, to, uh, let's say that you run a, a cab company. You are most likely to say, well, we're going to run cars from that vendor right. because we have that shop and they have a, you know. We're going to stock parts for that yeah, one. Yeah, exa model exactly. That one. <laughs> so we're going to do a town car. That's it. But I want to run a, uh, no, <laughs> you, you don't. It's This is the most financial um economical way to do it right. and you need to do the same thing I mean for customers that both of you and I work with if we can force them and, and sometimes we can to go from that to five three models a year supported mm -hmm. for five years ending up in 15 models from one vendor yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I mean, that, that keeps the help desk calls down. But I mean, on the flip side, I've actually had experience with a customer and um, they're using the tool I developed in the first first day. 
I was shocked because they had a, an agreement with a large vendor that any of their employees could ring up and pick any model they wanted. So the first thing he did was he fired it up and he clicked the select all button on the uh, models and we start download. And there were several terabytes of drivers downloaded. Mm. And I'm kind of sitting there going, really? <laughs> uh, but I mean, that, that is a thing, okay. Yes, you need flexibility. And I get why some people might want, okay, I have a particular role. I like the light machine and so on. Yeah. But you really need to say, okay, what we'll do is we'll approve, I have one Ultrabook, one workhorse machine, and maybe two different types of desktop, depending on what I'm doing. Yeah, and, and that's it. And that's it, yeah. And, and it's about CIOs, to, you know, understanding why that is a thing and the purchasing department understanding why that is a thing as well. And then people can start comparing, well, if I have a phone, we don't have those issues. No, a phone is manufactured by a hardware vendor that also manufactures the operating system, that also right. manufactures the drivers. So we don't have drivers issues in the, Samsung device or an Android device. We don't really have that on iPhone or iPad because it's one of the same vendor. Well, they usually fix their own stuff. <laughs> but when we have a Windows machine, um, then multiple vendors are involved. And somebody's creating that one and somebody's creating that one. Therefore, it needs to fit. But you can reduce it by limiting your makes and models, which will reduce your support time, increase your uptime, and probably lower your costs overall. I suppose that depends a lot on the deal you get with your main vendor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. But I mean, the, yeah, if you're ordering in bulk, of course you're going to get a better deal. Yep, um, absolutely. But uh, even again, just with this single model approach, if you have a problem and it's across all your models, it's easier to fix that. Yeah, possibly. Then troubleshooting issues with 80 out of the 250 models you have. And it only happens once a month. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, so it, it's just a nightmare to troubleshoot things like that. <clears throat> any additional thoughts on drivers, Chad? Any questions burning in your mind on drivers? <laughs> um, well, one thing that I didn't hear, and I know I've dealt with it with a lot of customers, is when you get the fanatic who wants to really control everything and they start looking at drivers, not just from the PC vendor, but also from the component vendor. Mm -hmm. So now, yes. should I trust an Intel driver better than the Intel driver that Lenovo is giving me or HP is giving me? And now they start reaching out and bringing that level of complexity into it. Yeah, I mean, How do you advise them in those situations? That really comes into play in legacy models where the manufacturer has said, okay, they're going to support that machine for the life cycle, which might be deemed to be four years. And then they're gonna start dropping support, so they won't update their own driver packs. Then at that stage, yes, you do need to consider the OEM's driver to keep up to date. And you know, as Michael said, it could be issues, it might be a security vulnerability. Um, in some circumstances, you don't really have a choice. You go to the manufacturers, or the, the component purchase site, and it will say, I'll select this, and it's a laptop, go to Dell, go to HP, and so on. And in that case, okay, you don't really have the option, but it, it is about finding a right balance. I would always say, personally, um, trust the manufacturer first, 
because they know the stability of the machine. They don't want those calls going through to their, their help desk saying, hey, I've got this model, it's unstable as, as hell. Um, so, but then if you are having issues, yeah, go to the component. I even seen a funny thing, um, when you download the drivers from the vendor vendor site, the OM, or from the vendor site, uh, it's two different drivers. Uh, mm. You download them and you install them, and it turns out that the installer itself contains the, the different drivers. So if you install the generic driver on a Dell machine, then the Dell driver is actually used because the Dell driver is packed inside that driver. And it's the same driver as Dell has. Mm -hmm. So they believe that they are running the generic driver. It's like, no, not really. <laughs> because they just package all the vendor drivers in it because it really needs to be that specific driver. So. Okay, and I have one, one last question that is not really for the config manager or uh, enterprise world. It's just a personal thing that's been troubling me. I, sh I sometimes go to a shared office space and they have a, a printer. It's, uh, I believe, an HP and it's a Wi-Fi. And I can go and get my pin and then, but to install my drivers, I have to download this massive installer. And I'm afraid to do that. I'm like, why can't I just install my driver? What do they want to do to me? Should I install it? Or if not, how do I get around it? Uh, for, for printers, I mean, I always take the approach, okay, yeah, the drivers for printers can be very big and they can look at, you know, communications between the device and giving you a little control panel to show that it's got X amount of ink and the page is coming out and so on. But when I'm advising customers, I always say, go with a model that uses a universal print driver. It's lightweight, lightweight, mm -hmm. it works across a number of devices, mm -hmm. and you tend not to have issues with it. Great tip. So when you're selecting a printer, look for universal print driver compatibility. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and along that lines too, how do you, how do you advise customers about bringing your own device? Ooh. Right, everybody's <laughs> wanting to go to this bringing your own device. What does that bring to your world with drivers? Well, bringing your own device means that um, an end user brings his, his, his or her personal device. That should not be managed by the company. That should be managed by the end user. Uh, it should, however, be controlled from a security perspective. So, yes, it might be added to Azure AD. It does have a control policy, but it's your machine. You brought your own device. That's pretty much like you bring your own car and you put a sign on top that says taxi. If it breaks down, you have to fix it on your own. It's your car. It's very simple. Um, so I try to divide it there. Um, it needs to be secure, needs to be controlled, but it doesn't become managed. It's a the, the one suggestion I might have for that scenario is actually educating those users who bring your own devices to say, this is what the, the hardware manufacturer's tool looks like on your machine. Use that. This is how you go through it. And that's oh really? So you yeah. actually have run into that and you've told them, hey, here's how you do it right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Nice, nice. Okay, and before we wrap up, where should I put this deployment bunny sticker? Oh, uh, <laughs> this is tough. Down here actually I think would look pretty good. Yeah, I think so too. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Okay. Okay. Morris and Michael, thank you so much for joining us. This has been super important. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Cheers.